And as I get into my sermon right now, which is called The Seven Realities of Experiencing God. The Seven Realities of Experiencing God. Praise God. So let's kick that in. One of the things that you've got to know to be confident to export God, to talk to your friends about God, one of the things that you've got to establish in your heart of hearts that God is a good God. He's a God of love. That He's not a God that, that wants to judge you and, you know, you know doom you and, and, and be hard with you. God is a God of extravagant love, wanting to bless everyone. And so when you understand the nature of God, that God is faithful, that God is absolutely all about love. The first thing about God is He is love. He doesn't do love, although He flows love, He is love personified. So let's look at that scripture quickly. 1 John 4, 7. Get your Bibles out, take some notes. I'm going to hit the road running now. I have a dream for a church to be mobilized, to witness. That's the context of what I'm talking about this morning. I want the church mobilized to reach out, to bring people in. Why isn't there more visitors this morning? I should have hundreds of these things. I should have hundreds of these reading out. Well done. Uh, God bless, you know, Margaret and, and John and, and, and Bill and Sue. And uh, how'd you get here? Oh, my friend, the Christian, invited me. They said it would be good. One of the key things about coming to church and that you've got to be confident of in bringing people, because you will never bring people. Would you ever take people to a, invite people, ring them up, and say, come to a movie that you knew that, that was a dud? You wouldn't. Because in that movie, there's no exchange. There's no gratification. You, there's, and I call this an exchange. Every, see, who went and saw James Bond by now? So when you saw James Bond, there was an exchange, wasn't there? In fact, some of them, the, the, the exchange was so profound that you took on Bond. And some of you men drove home like Bond. And you thought you were Bond. And who did that? Who shared that? Yeah, come on. And uh, so there was an exchange in Bond. And for about good 20 minutes, I thought I was Bond maybe. I drove down my street. I saw my dog out who shouldn't be out. I pulled up in the middle of the streets. The lights are blazing, 9.30 at night. And I jumped out of the car. Julie's just sitting there going, what is going on? And I stare this dog down. The dog runs, and I run after him. I was just wanting to do a crash tackle on him, but he, he sort of disappeared into the dark. And I said, that's going to look strange to Jules. I better go back and explain myself. And so you get this in you. You get this stuff in you sometimes, and, and that's what you've got to be careful with, the bad stuff. You can get a, a bad, you know, turn anything off that you feel like there's an exchange happening where you're receiving something ugly in your spirit. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you will get. If you're watching something that is, that is of, of a sin, sinful, a vain imagination, a philosophy that is jerking your head around in, in, in your faith in God, turn it off in Jesus' name. And, and monitor what your kids watch too because there's stuff in the entertainment business that is, you know, it's just so out there and it's concocted by minds that are strung out in, so, so, in such wonderful ways that you just don't want to receive that. So for me, church is about an exchange. When you come to church, here's my point, when you come to church, there should be an exchange. You should go from this place receiving life. Is that good? And if you're not getting that, well, find another church because it's got to, that exchange must happen. You must receive life. And a lot of Christians, they get despondent with church because they fail and they end up not exchanging, having an exchangement. 
in the life of the church. We give our hearts, we praise God, that's one exchange, and he downloads to us anyway. It's, I should teach about that, shouldn't I? Amen. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. One of the key things, friends, listen to me, is that you have to understand the nature of God. God is love, and that will give you enough boldness and enough faith to export God. You have to establish the fact, the nature of God. Study the nature of God, who He is. God's kind, God's loving, God's friendly. Praise the Lord. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What extravagant love that is. And then we come to the statutes and the Word of God and the decrees, and we think, oh, God's trying to put a, you know put the law on me and he's trying to dampen me no he's giving us these laws and this word of god to safeguard us and in the scripture it says here deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 12 and now O israel and now O church what does the lord your god ask of you but to fear the lord your god to walk in all his ways to love him to serve the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and so observe the lord's commands observe the word of god observe these decrees and these principles in this life manual and everything the Bible says will go well with you. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy 32, 46, and you will prosper. If you do this, if you walk according to the word of God, you will prosper. Does that sound good? Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. God's shaken the church up in an Isaiah, or I, I think it's in, in 1 Samuel in 46, verse 10. Uh, it says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Now, all around us in every day, God is doing something. And God is trying to, I believe, God is apprehending our hearts. In every situation that you are finding yourself in, God is trying to, because God is busy doing stuff all the time. Even to the guy that's in the pub crying in his beer, God's on his case. Do you know that? Even the guy, God goes into pubs. Who believes that? Is that sacrilege for some people? But no, God is in pubs. He, he's in dance clubs. He's, uh, you used to run a, uh, a Christian outreach in a dance club or in a pub. I don't know, Craig, but that's how it went for five, six, seven years. Is that what you did? Big PA system and you brought God's gospel into a setting like that. So God was in there. Was God there with you? Of course he was. And so we've got to believe that God is about trying to apprehend our heart. But God, what do you want to do through me? Can I do it? And we're going to go to a story of Moses and the burning bush. And I wish I could have shown you the YouTube, just the short segment of him approaching, which is, I think, at the Prince of, is it the Prince of Egypt in, in the movie? There's a, uh, of course there is. The, Moses is now found himself on Mount Horeb and he's seeing the burning bush and God gets his attention. Who would like a burning bush experience? Who, who needs one of those? Who's had one? Put up your hand if you've had literally like a burning bush experience. Julie has in Singapore in a hotel five-star hotel doing show business. She's in Singapore. She's at the end of a tether with show business. God visits her personally. Jesus Christ came in. It's a testimony in itself. Comes and visits her in a hotel. 
And so that began her journey in God. Who's had an experience like that? Who's, uh, Craig has. Craig has had a supernatural, and Craig believes for the supernatural in the life of the church. See, it's not just about witnessing. Um, see, Moses got blessed, and he finally succumbed to the call, to the invitation. But really, he didn't go there with words to Pharaoh. He went there with the supernatural power of God. Isn't that what you want? Who wants, who wants just words? Put up your hand. Who just wants words to go to people and to witness and to intervene on situations, hospitals, people laying right now, suffering from diseases, cancers? Would you just like to go in there with words or do you want power? Put up your hands. Just words. Didn't think so. Who wants power to go in there? Power. That, that, of course you want power. Because when I was on the F3 highway going to visit an 18-year-old who was suffering from cancer, dying from cancer, only a short time to live, the doctor said, I saw a bright light wrap around the whole car. I'd never seen it before, but since I've heard the testimony of many people saying the same thing, the intensity of God's purposes and will, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, come round one's life. My sister, unsaved, was praying with us out of the just being, you know, um, I guess sociable, polite. We had uh, sitting on a floor in my lounge room, we had hands held like that and we began to pray and we're praying in the Holy Ghost of course and I feel her leave my hand but then I feel that she's actually fallen backwards on the floor and I open my eyes and I see my sister who's quite controlled and not susceptible. Say susceptible. Some people are susceptible. My sister's not. She's pretty strong-headed. She falls down and she's eyes are flittering and fluttering. And, and then others open their eyes and look and this is unusual. She's unsaved, isn't she? So when we eventually got her up, what happened for you? She said, the more I tried to hold on to the one on, to the left, to the right, as you guys were praying, the intensity of the moment and of just something on me and around me. In fact, I saw a white light all around me. I could not hold on any longer. My hands let go and I just felt myself fall over to my dismay. Did I embarrass you? I said, no, that's, that's good. <laughs> but she was absolutely amazed about this white light. Who's seen the white light of the Holy Ghost? Look at that, look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that reach out too. Jeff, how many people you saved this week? Two, two people. Well, both, both, of course you did. Yeah, that's praise God. That's great, Margaret, Jeff, fantastic. And, and of course, Graham, we know you're reaching out all the time for souls. You've seen the... See, it's about no care, no spirit. When you reach out with care, when you reach out with witnessing, when you reach out with the love of God, the Holy Spirit compliments you powerfully. And this was the dilemma of Moses, I think. Moses just didn't want to go. He says, I have no eloquence of speech. I cannot, I've not been to Bible college like Garth, like Andrew. Who else has been to Bible college here? I've not, uh, and, 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 and yeah, God, God, and Moses was saying, yes, you are a holy God, because take off your sandals, you're a holy God. And, and God, what can I do here? But God says, I will be with you. He, commentators say he was actually, he was actually, not trusting God that God could pull through for him and back him up so that because God was calling him to go to Pharaoh the meanest tyrant the planet has ever known bar Hitler or anyone else Pharaoh who had God's people in oppression and God apprehended Moses and saying 
I want you to go. I've heard the cries of my people. I want you to go. <clears throat> who's heard the cry of the people? Who's, I mean, who's heard God say to them, I've heard the cries of my people. I want you to, to listen to Pastor Phil and start witnessing, start engaging. Who's, who's heard that? Who's actually tracking with me on this series that I'm about preaching uh, on the Holy Spirit? Why the Holy Spirit? To communicate, to be bold in the Holy Spirit, to witness to friends and family, to be a witness out there. Who's actually grabbing this? Put up your hand. Who's actually grabbing it? These are the days that we live in. Okay, seven realities. Can I have those quickly? Please, God bless you. Yeah, we're doing all right for time. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. I believe, like men of Issachar, we have heard, who are the men of Issachar? They understood the times and the season in which we live. These were a tribe that belonged to the mighty uh, David's mighty army. Amen. The men of Issachar just knew they were intuitive. They understood God and God downloaded to them what they should do and how they should act. I believe we are hearing in this church how to respond to the world around us. And one of the key things is men. We need to see men arise and engage and come into the life of the church. Because why? We need a foundation. You can only do so much with all these great ladies that really hold up this church to a large degree. But God says, I've covered that with grace, but now... I want the men to arise because we're going in and engaging the battle. We're engaging society. We're engaging the world. I need men to do that. Ladies, you have done an extraordinary job. And even some ladies have been just taxed to the max. In fact, they just need a rest. And it's about time the men found their position in Christ, their authority and their rightful position and begin to stand up in their family, in their marriage in their church and in their community and say, you can count on me. Amen? So seven realities. God is always at work around you. I love this. Number one reality. You can write this down. God is always work, at work around you. And I think I've pretty well established that, that humanity is separated from God. Who, who, who believes that? The Bible says that humanity is separated from God, that God has a plan. And God's just not letting history unwind itself and it's just colliding and... You know, it's all over the joint. God has a plan. Say, God has a plan. He is busy right now in every day and all around your life. He's reconciled every place. When you go to buy your pie in the pie shop, bang. Guess what? They're nice pies, but God's, you know, reaching out now, maybe to the Asian pie maker because it's run by Asians and they, they start to make some good stuff too now. They, they make some good stuff now. And so you're in, and, but now someone else comes in alongside you. Okay, there's another one. How do I do this? I want a pie. I just want a pie, Lord. I don't want to witness. I don't want to smile. I don't want to share the love around. And so in every day, God is doing something in and around your life. Who believes that? Is God working on your neighbor? Is God working in your street? Is God working on your friend, your boss? Is God working on your mum, your dad? Of course he is. He has redemption plans outworking. And it's us to recognize those plans. And how we do that is to be ever listening. Walking in the spirit, walking in faith is a key ingredient. As you're walking in the groove and in the rhythm of life, you... Gotcha. When you're walking in carnality, you just care about your pie. Oh, and a sauce too, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
God is at work. What is God doing around our lives, I wonder? I wonder. Exodus 2.23, let's move it quickly now. During the long period the king of Egypt died, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help became, uh, became evident. Uh, God heard their groaning, and he remembered. I wonder if God is hearing the groaning of the Central Coast. Do you reckon he is? Do you reckon there's some kids in bedrooms at night? Oh, gee, would you heal my dad? Would you get him off the booze? Would you, you know, would you help mom tolerate dad? But would you bless mom and little kids? Bill heard one? Little kid crying out? What? In another, in the spirit, he heard a kid crying out. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant of love with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked as the Israelites, on the Israelites, and was concerned about them. God was concerned about them. God's concerned about the coast. He's concerned about your neighbor. Ah, oh, my neighbor, you know. They say, love thy neighbor, but keep the hedges up. Ever heard of that saying? Love thy neighbor, but keep the hedges up. Anyway. How many people are you concerned about, I wonder? Young people, how many people do you think are con- Jake, how many people, get ready, buddy, because I'm on to you, mate. Was that a mobile phone you had? You're just checking to see. Yeah, you turned it off. Very good. He turned his mobile phone off. Stand up, Jake. No, you're a good guy. I'm just, I'm just playing with you. He's great. Hey, Jake, I just spoke a scripture that says God was concerned about the Israelites. He's coming to this guy called Moses. He's on the back paddocks of life looking after some sheep. He's found a burning bush. God's speaking through the burning bush. He's saying, I've heard the cries of my people. Would you go? Uh, do you feel that? Do you feel that God's come to you like that? And he said, I've heard the cries of some of your friends at school, maybe some... Because I see you as a guy maybe standing up in your calling and responding to the invitation of God reaching out to you. And I see you being able to preach the gospel one day and lead others to Christ. God bless you. That's a freebie. That's for turning off your phone. Reality two. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. It's real and personal. The relationship that God wants for you. Hang on. He's not a guy that wants to put you on a database. (laughs) He's a guy that loves every hair on your head, James. That's great hair you got there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You did a whole semester without cutting it, like the Nazarites. They didn't cut their hair. They didn't cut their hair. But it's a love relationship that he has for each and every one of you. He pursues you individually, personally. You've got to work this love deal out. If you don't understand the love of God in your life, if you don't understand the personable love of God in your life, you will be, have such a large deficit in your life. You will not reach out with the gospel. You will not reach out with the tender kindness of God if you don't realize the personable love of God. Who's with me on that one? Praise the Lord. Let's go to, let's go to reality three. I'm going to move quickly now through these. God invites you to become involved with him in his work. You know, God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. He's, he's about doing something, man. He, he's got this place wired. Say wired. He's got the coast wired. We mightn't be praying and getting all, you know, feeling for it and praying for it and doing letterbox drops, but you know what? He's got this place wired. And his re- re- redemption plans are just 
on the, on the place. In the, every, every person, every person he is trying to reach out with his personable love and form a relationship with them whereby he can invite them through his son's sacrifice on the cross through salvation, but then to engage. He wants to know, he wants to love each and every one of you. Before he engages you to do a great work, it's about his love. Do you know what I'm saying? The reality that God invites you to become involved with him at work is true, but the reality is that God personally wants to invite you himself even before me, even before I try and apprehend, apprehend your attention, he wants to personally, personally invite you through some burning bush experience. Exodus 3.8 says, So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. 3.10 says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring the people out from the oppression. I love this. I love it. Reality four, let's move on. God speaks through. How does God speak to us now? I mean, Phil, you really expect me to have a burning bush experience? Now, come on. I, I do have some bushes in my, in my yard. I'm sure Graham does. He loves, he's got a green thumb. And we've got some bushes around here. But really, more so in the Holy Spirit, he's trying to speak to you. That's why I've just finished the series about the Holy Spirit comforting you, counseling you, never leaving you, revealing Christ to you, revealing God's plans to you, equipping you. So let's, let's believe this, that the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to you through the Word of God. Guys, you've got to get this Word of God. It renews your mind and it gives you, it gives you a mindset that can even interpret what God is saying, even through circumstances. Who believes God speaks through circumstances? He does. He does. He, he speaks through the word. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through um, the church. He might even be speaking through me. Imagine that. Wow. That would be a novelty, wouldn't it? He's speaking his purposes through prayer. Who prayed this week? Who pr Come on. He's speaking through prayer. You're praying. And don't forget to be quiet so he can speak to you. It's not all about, you know, you know he's not starved of prayer, but... When we do pray, let him reign on you. Let him inform you and comfort you and reconcile all that you've said. And, and, and one of the key things I loved that we learned years ago is to be silent in prayer. Be silent and just lift those little pinkies and just go... Ah. But God... Yes, I know. It's really hard for some people. Testimony from, from the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is that God speaks to his people. In our day, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Is that right, Jill? He uses Bible, he uses prayer, he uses group meetings, he uses circumstances, but especially the church. So church, when you look at it, listen to me, when you look in the scripture what church is about, it talks about when we come together that we should be encouraging each other, engaging. Hey, I had you on my heart last night. The Lord says that he's going to sort that situation out, that problem, and that you're going to find a new place of really knowing his extravagant love and not 
to allow your heart to challenge the nature of God who is love. God is love and he has proven himself to you time and time again. And God says, I will love you. I will love you. I will not renege on my love. And whatever you think or may think, I will prove myself at the end of the day that I love you with a love that cannot die, that cannot be... (laughs) He says that to you all the time. Exodus 3, 2 says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw saw that through the bush was on fire, though the bush was on fire, that it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange light. Why the bush did not burn up. Exodus 3, 4 says, When the Lord saw that saw he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Who's ever said to the Lord, Here I am? Exodus 3, 5 says, Do not come any closer. God said, Take off your sandals, for this place where you're standing is holy ground. First thing you need to know about God is that He's holy. He's holy. And so I have heard uh, my people crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you look at Numbers 12 verse 6, he says, listen to my words. I believe each and every one of us have heard God in some way that suggests that God has heard the plight of the Central Coast, your neighbor, your friend, your workmate. Somehow you have heard that God is concerned about them, but it's in that day where you said, I hear God, but then there's a crisis of belief, and we'll talk about that. When, when a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But Numbers 12, 7 says, But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in my house And with him, I speak face to face. Moses ended up being a friend of God. And you know, Jesus says that we are friends of God too. He says, I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. But Lord, you've given me permission, privilege to understand the dilemma in my friends, in my society, in my community. God is saying there is a situation at hand and God wouldn't say that just to a servant because servants don't get told the whole deal. But Jesus said, you know the deal and I've told you so much already and I call you friends. I've called you friends. Do you know what church is? It's the family business. And Jesus said, I've got to go now. I'm going to be crucified but I'll be resurrected, but I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to leave you the family business. Sons and daughters, this is the family business. Church is the family business that we're looking after, and it will prosper. And Jesus will build his family business. He will build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I will give you every resource that you need, every need that you have, I will give it to you according to his riches and glory. So it's all available to build the family service. Don't worry about finances. Don't worry about what God's going to try to do for your life to prepare you to go to your friend, to do, to engage, to go to the sick person in the hospital. God is going to give you that need to reach out. Is that right? And in that, in that, in that obedience, you experience God. I love this stuff. Mm, God. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, let's talk about the crisis, the crisis of belief. It says that when Moses received the invitation, that he started to stumble in his his countenance and he was not sure that it could be done, but God says, I'm going to be with you. My name, I am, will be with you. So we got his name and that name now is Jesus. We got Jesus. He is a holy God. We got that. But he says, no, I'm going to give you power too. I'm going to give you a staff. You're going to walk into situations and the staff's going to come alive. The rivers are going to open up and it's going to turn to a snake. It's going to overcome the enemy's plans. That power dimension is something that we need in our life. We need a demonstration of power to a 21st century humanity. So much talking you can only do, but in the end you need the anointing and you need the power of God. Who's with me on that? So Moses is having a crisis of belief. God's invitation to Moses to work with him led to a crisis of belief that required faith and action. And Moses expressed this crisis of belief when he made the following statements to God. Exodus 3.11 says, But God said, but Moses said to God, Who am I that should I... I can actually see a lot of people in our church, but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And take on, I said to the men yesterday, when this church was birthed, we went to the Chapman Hill lookout and we prayed against the devil worshippers, which was a cult that was meeting on Chapman Hill. And we went up there and kicked over the altars and scrubbed out the pentagram in the car park. And we said, well, guess what? Jesus has taken over. And we could see their candle wax on the sandstone rocks up there. This is the lookout over Wyong, a prime high ground position where those devil worshippers would, would meet on a given night and wail. And we asked the neighbors, and we had a, a, a friend that rented a house, and he said, I can hear them. It's spooky, man. They're wailing up there. They're, oh. it's, it's, and literally within about two, three months of us being up there and us being a church, they were gone, Ali. They were gone, and they actually moved to another suburb, and we won't mention that name where they are. Exodus 3.13 says, Moses said to God, I suppose I go to the, suppose I go to the Israelites, suppose I go to Chapman Hill, suppose I go to my friend and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Uh, what shall I tell them? What shall I tell them? What if my friend asked me to prove my God? What if my friend asked me if I'm praying for them and asking them to receive Jesus? What if they say, just before I do uh, give my life to Jesus, prove him to me. Where's that stuff? Where's, that, where's the stuff that Moses had? Well, Exodus 4, 1 says, Moses answered, what if, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Exodus 4.10 says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You have spoken by your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. A lot of us given a lot of lame excuses here too. Exodus 4.13 said, and Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. And, and, and Moses is actually saying, I don't, I don't believe that you can do what you want me to do. To present myself to Pharaoh, the meanest tyrant of whole of Egypt, you're going to be with me and I'm going to be able to speak to him and live that event, live that moment of coming against Pharaoh? Come on, you're joking. And so Moses really was getting a huge wake-up call to the fact that the great I am was going to go. He's with us, does he not? Has God proven himself to you, that he's been with you, that he's gone with you? Of course he has. Reality 6 says you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. 
This is probably the second most major turning point in your life. The first one is to trust God that he can go with you down to St. Vince's Hospital and pray for an 18-year-old to walk in and the reception there says, stop, sir, you can't go in. The family has deemed no visitors. The boy is in a terrible situation. But when you get to the reception, the father comes out of the ward and says, let those people come in. This was our neighbors at, at one time. And they said, bring them in. He was at the end of himself, guy with a lot of money. They'd sought a lot of help for their boy, 18-year-old boy that was living a great life, healthy, had an apprenticeship, had a car. He was doing well, and then bang, down he goes at his girlfriend's place. They thought he had appendicitis. He actually had a tumor. He woke up with two scars, one for an appendix, which he didn't, there was no problem there, but the other one was for a tumor. He wakes up, and they said, actually, you got something wrong with it. Oh, no. So in a matter of two, three weeks, this guy was in the death throes of a massive disease that was taking him down big time we'd gone down there i tried to say to god send someone else me no not me i'd rung everyone i knew and everyone said no it's you you gotta go you had the burning bush experience you go you got you know who god is as much as we do you go and so everyone has this crisis of belief will i go or won't i will i go or won't i it's it's a dilemma isn't it who's had this experience Will I go or won't? The first thing you've got to know is that God will back you up. The second thing is this. This is the second major turning point at which many miss out on experiencing God. It's about experiencing God, guys. To get them from where you are to where God is will require major adjustment. We're nearly there, guys. I'm nearly done. These adjustments may relate to your thinking, your circumstances, and write them down, your relationships, could be anything could be even a nice birthday party but i've got to go to my uh, grandmother's 85th birthday uh, hang on but you've got to go to raise someone from the dead i mean well where's the choice there you got it you got to got a, an opportunity to speak into your brother's life who's been at enmity with you you've never been able to say two words without him getting all fussed and out of but now god's saying there is an opportunity but you want to be somewhere else there's always a choice in an adjustment say adjustment We've made massive adjustments to build this church. I'd like to have gone surfing every day and rode motocross bikes and, and just chilled out doing normal work and be go, on, go on holidays and, and totally relax from you know, directing and nurturing people's souls that you live with 24-7 as a, as a pastor because when you go home, you live with this stuff, amen? That's why all the pastors burn out. The adjustments may may relate to your thinking, your circumstance, your relationships, your commitments, your action, or your belief. Whew. God is desperately, I believe this, God is desperately trying to get the church in the mainstream, trying to get them into the flow, into the traffic, trying to get them into this traffic of the busyness, of this highway of blessing that's even coming. I see this highway of blessings, all these cars, multiple lanes of blessings, healings, salvations, restorations, and miracles. It, it, it's all these gifts that are like cars flowing to Central Coast. And we just got to get in one of those cars and, 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 and get there in Jesus' name and say, hey, it's, it's all good because, you know, there's so many incidences that God's got to reveal himself with skin on. The gifts are delivered with skin on. Somehow, in the scheme of things, don't ask me why, but God has figured that we are going to bring it on, that we are going to bring the kingdom to pass, that through our prayers, through our work, through our voice, if we could just believe God sovereignly to do it now, Lord, 
Please, we do feel for the people of the coast, but would you do it now? No, I've got to come through you. That's, that's the deal. Do you see that? There's always adjustments to make. Moses had to make adjustments in his life. Exodus 4.19, and lastly, now that the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all men who wanted to kill you are dead. Oh, so God sorted this situation out. Moses, who didn't want to go back to, to Egypt because all these people were after him, he took all these guys out. He said, guess what? That's not even an excuse now, Chris. All those people that were after you at Tugra, I've taken them out. You can come back from Adelaide now. Oh, because there was a couple of guys that, you know, they didn't mow their lawn and, you know, they didn't have a drink with them. And, and uh, it's cool, man. They've all been, it says here, uh, now the Lord had said to Chris, or, or Moses, I should say, Midian, go back to Egypt, go back to Tugger, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Moses made the necessary adjustments, the crisis of faith, it, de it, it definitely was. But Moses accomplished what he needed to do. He did set, of course, we know the Israelites, and through miracles, signs and wonders, and, you know, through an extraordinary, an extraordinary, um, you know, intervention of God that, that it was amazing. Reality 7, I've got to get that one. Reality 7, you come to know God by experience as you obey him, and he accomplishes his work through you. I'll say it again. Does it say that up there? You come to know God by experience as you obey him, and he accomplishes his work through you. Once you determine to follow God by faith, and you make the required adjustments, you must obey him. You can obey him, and then you can engage. When you do what he tells you, no matter how impossible it may seem, God accomplishes when he purposes it through you. If he's purposed it, it will come to pass in Jesus' name. And so ask yourself the question, what is the connection between my obedience and my experience in the knowledge of God? I'll tell you what it is. It's this. It's saying yes to him in everything, in small and large uh, areas of obedience. As you do, every time you experience God like that, in small ways but in big ways, you know God to be true. And you know God, he does back you up. And so the summary is God is at work reconciling a work to himself because he loves you. He wants to involve you in his work. Say this, Lord, you want to involve me in your work. Say that. He begins firstly by pursuing a personable relationship with you. Then he invites you into his mainstream of activity of blessing all the people around you. When you say yes and say, I will engage the person standing in the pie shop, I will smile, I will just say something ridiculous that doesn't even go anywhere, but I know it's revealing the heart of God. Every little incident like that, every little moment like that, and even the big incidences of traveling down to St. Vincent's Hospital and praying for people, all those incidences make up you experiencing God in a most profound way. And when you experience God like that, you get more confidence to put your neck out and to do some crazy stuff for God because His ways are higher. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. Let's all stand, God bless you. God's a crazy God speaking to us about starting churches and speaking to us about some of the things that you people have done were crazy. 
But it was in that crisis of faith that you said yes to Jesus and then God proved himself faithful and you know today that God is real. Maybe you've felt God in this house today. Maybe you've experienced God somehow. Can I have some music? God bless you. Wonderful. Maybe you've experienced God some way today in the house of God. I believe that God does absolutely want to personally reveal himself to you in a wonderful way. Father, in this house, let's just close our eyes if you can. Father, in this house, there's people that seemingly been on the outer of your will and seemingly, Lord, they just can't get into the slipstream.